0: And uh, could the rest of us please turn in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Page one thousand one hundred and fifty in the Church Bibles, if you wish to follow. Second Corinthians, chapter ten. Page one one five o. I, Paul, myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I, who am humble when face to face with you, but bold when I am away. I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence As I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And take every, court, every thought captive to obey Christ. Being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Well, let's keep your Bible open and let's now pray and ask God to help us. Lord God, we do pray that you will uh, please um, bless us and help us as we consider your word now. Please, Lord, would you strengthen me and help me, help my, my, my lips to work well, help my mind to work well. May I be spiritually alive uh, that I might be able to do good to my brothers and sisters and my friends here today. That they may be fed and built up and any that don't yet know Christ might be drawn to Christ. And Father, please also be at work in each one of our hearts to grant us faith to grant that those who are dead in their sins may be made alive and we pray Lord also that that uh, those of us who are yours might have our hearts filled with greater love for Christ and also that we might be moved to obey Christ better in our lives We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, yeah, so if you're just trying to find where we are, it's it's page 1150, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1. Well, today, after a gap of a few weeks, we are coming back to our studies in 2 Corinthians. And... The the, the the section of the verses that we are going to be looking at this morning mark the beginning of a whole new section of this letter, which really runs from verse 1 of chapter 10, right the way through to the end, really, of the letter, more or less the end of the letter. Uh, up to this point, um, the Paul was the apostle was talking about the glories of New Covenant ministry in the first section, first major section, up to the end of verse uh, of chapter seven, and then um, in chapters eight and nine, he was talking about uh, trying to encourage the believers to contribute to a collection that he was raising for the poor believers. In Jerusalem but now in this part he now as I say starts a new section where he is seeking to deal with the issue of false teachers in the church and trying to encourage the church in Corinth not to be led astray by these false teachers, but rather to distance themselves from the, from the false teachers. Now, who were these false teachers and what were they saying? Well, it seems that these false teachers were putting forward a version of what they called Christianity, which wasn't really Christianity at all, whereby they were saying, If you believe what 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 we tell you, you can be rich, you can be famous, you can be powerful, you can uh, you can have freedom from from sickness, and and you can uh, be uh, triumphant in this world. Now we can immediately see the relevance of what these false teachers were saying because there are people today who are saying things that are very similar to what these false teachers were saying people are saying today have positive thoughts and you will attract blessing to yourself it's a they say it's a law that god has made in this world that if you have positive thoughts it acts like a sort of a magnet which brings blessing to you so Have positive thoughts and you'll be blessed, you won't be poor, you won't be ill, you'll be successful, you'll be rich, your dreams will be fulfilled. And so I think we would do really well to take very careful note of what Paul says in these chapters. And what we'll see is that he says, yes, Christians do have power, amazing power. And we'll be thinking about that. I was planning to think about that this morning, which is why some of you will have noticed the difference between the the, the, the title that I sent out in my own writing and the title that was on the on on the um, on the YouTube link. Because I was going to, I was planning to speak from from verses three to five this morning, and and talk about the power of the gospel that Christians have. But I I think I'm going to have to deal with that separately next week. So, so that's, that's, that's God willing for next week. But we will see in future how, yes, there's tremendous power that Christians have, the power of the gospel. But that power works through people who are weak, physically weak. We, we cannot expect to be healthy and strong and rich and prosperous and successful in this life. Now, what Paul found himself having to do in these, in these chapters, what he finds himself having to do is to defend himself and to help the believers to see that he actually is the real Deal. He is the real servant of God. He is the real apostle. Because what these other teachers were saying is, oh, no, Paul can't possibly be a real apostle. Look how weak he is. Look how poor he is. Look how ill he is. Look how he's being persecuted so much. He can't possibly be a real apostle They were saying, we are the real apostles. Because look how rich we are. Look how strong we are. Look how powerful we are. And so what Paul has to do in these these chapters is to to say, no, actually, I am the real apostle. It's these other ones who are the false apostles. And so quite a lot of of these next few chapters, we'll see how he... He's having to defend himself. He doesn't do that because he wants to. It's not because he's he's trying to gain a following for himself or because he's wanting to build up his own ego. But he knows that he has to defend himself and his teaching because if he doesn't, they'll be led astray to false teaching, the false teaching of these false apostles and... They will land up in great error. Now, what I want to do this morning, though, is to think about primarily verses one and two of this of this chapter, which are really just the opening verses, and uh, refer to also to verse six. Because uh, what the Paul, what the apostle is doing in these letters is in, in these verses is he's turning his attention to the visit that he's going to be making. He trusts in a few months time or in a year's time or something like that and he's expressing concern that he may have to confront the church for the way in which it has entertained these false teachers. And so he speaks in verses 1 and 2 about the extreme reluctance that he had to confront the church and how he hoped that this would not be necessary. He thought it was pretty much inevitable that he was going to land up having to confront the false teachers. But he was hoping that he, he would not have to confront the church as a whole. Because he knew that that would have been very painful for the church and it would have been very painful for him. And so with meekness and with gentleness, he urges the believers to distance themselves from the false believers. Now as we think about what he says in in these opening verses of this section... It's my prayer that God will use what, what the Apostle says in these verses to both ch- encourage us and also to challenge us. Because as Paul speaks about his meekness and gentleness, and, and he speaks about the meekness and gentleness of Christ, this should cause us to be amazed at the wonderful saviour that we have who is so gentle and so meek in the way that he deals with us but also it should also challenge us because God calls us also to be meek and to be gentle in our relationships with each other in the church and also in our relationships with others outside the church. And so what I want us to do this morning is to consider verses 1 and 2 and verse 6. Now, you might say, why am I doing verses 1 and 2 and verse 6? Well, it seems to me... I may be mistaken, of course, but it seems to me that that verses three to five really should be in parentheses. Now, of course, you've got to remember that that um, in in the Greek there was no there was in ancient Greek there was no punctuation. So um, those who put together the Greek New Testament from manuscripts later on, they they supplied punctuations as well as they could, and then of course our translators have put in punctuation. But it seems to me that verses three to five are sort of a an explanation of the power that Paul had as a gospel minister. And they're true for for as such, that what he says there about about the power of the gospel is is something which speaks to us all, even to the current day. But verses one and two and verse six, he's talking about. It seems to me the the, the authority that he knew that he had as an as an apostle, which he might have to. Exercise against the church, but he was very reluctant to do so, and uh, he approached that with great meekness and humility. So, I would suggest to you that we should take verses 1 and 2 and 6 together. So, let me just read those together. I, Paul, myself, entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I who am humble when face to face with you. But bold towards you when I am away, I beg of you when I am present, that I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. So that's that those are the verses that we're thinking about this morning. As we do so, I suggest we do so under three headings. Uh, no, so under two main headings. Excuse me. First of all, that Paul was meek as he appealed to the believers, in, and we see that from verse one. And secondly, Paul was reluctant to confront others, but he was prepared to do so if he had to do so. So let's uh, let's. Uh, Think then about about this. First of all, Paul was meek as he appealed to the believers in Corinth. Let me read now again, verse one to you. I, Paul, myself, entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I who am bold, I, I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold toward you when I am away Paul speaks about how he entreats or he begs or urges these believers to uh, to distance themselves from the false teachers he does so he says by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. He does so with great meekness, with great gentleness, the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Think of how Paul could have been when he learned that the church was turning his back on him. Think about how he could have been angry, he could have been offended, he could have said, Don't they know who I am? Don't they know I'm an apostle? Don't they know how hard I've worked for them? He could have really torn them off a strip. But he comes to them with gentleness and he appeals to them with the meekness and gentleness of Christ. And he says, I entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Now, what, what do those words meekness and gentleness mean? Well, uh, I suppose the best way to think about meekness is to think about how a meek person responds when he is attacked or criticised. A meek person, when he is attacked or criticised, responds with calmness, with uh, gentleness, without any aggression or threat. Whereas somebody who is not meek will will rear up in anger and make counter-accusations and threats against the other person. And what about the word gentle? Well, the word gentle talks about somebody who is sensitive and kind in the way that he treats others. Being very careful not to hurt or damage this other person. Think of uh, maybe the way an antique dealer, you know, he's got this a vase, a Chinese Ming vase which is worth thousands and thousands of pounds. Well, he t- handles this with great care. He knows how delicate it is. Well, so a gentle person, a gentle person, treats others with with kindness and with respect, not with roughness and and cruelty and unkindness. And Paul says that he's talking to these believers with the meekness and gentleness of of Christ. Jesus himself was gentle and meek in the way in which he dealt with others and the whole way in which he lived. If anyone didn't have to be meek, if anyone could have said, I demand my rights. It would have been, it was Jesus. He is the king of kings. He is the lord of lords. He is the eternal son of God. He is the one who has made all things. To him every knee shall bow. He is the judge of the whole earth. He of all people could have said, I demand that I be treated properly. He of all people could have legitimately said, don't you talk to me like that. When he was wrongly treated. But he didn't do so. He was meek and he was gentle. And so when Paul talks about the meekness and gentleness of Christ. He's saying I am showing in my life the same meekness and the same gentleness that Christ showed. Because Jesus was meek. Jesus was gentle. We read earlier from those words in Matthew 11. Where Jesus says come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Now that word that's translated in that verse, I am gentle and lowly in heart, is exactly the same word as what we have here, or in in root, the same word as what we have here in 2 Corinthians. Jesus is meek and lowly in heart. Jesus is non-aggressive. And that same word also occurs in that prophecy from Zechariah that is quoted in Matthew chapter 21 when Jesus was walking, was riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble, meek, and mounted on a donkey, on a colt the foal of a beast of burden. The king of kings came into Jerusalem not on a horse, not at the head of an army bearing uh, of soldiers bearing spears and swords, but on a donkey with men laying palm branches out on the, on the, on the ground in front of him with children singing Hosanna to the king. Then consider Jesus meekness as he was arrested he did not resist arrest he did good to those who were arresting him he spoke kindly and gently to them he rebuked them yes but he was gentle he was polite he healed the the the, the servant of the high priest whose ear had got cut off by by peter he he was mocked and he did not answer back he was whipped he made no complaints when he was pers- when he was crucified he prayed for his for those who were crucifying him father forgive them because they do not know what they are doing he was mocked and taunted on the cross so yet he did not answer back he did not make any threats Peter writes in his first letter, chapter 2 and verse 22, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. And this meekness and this gentleness of Christ is a reflection of the meekness of, and gentleness of God the Father. Do you think of God the Father as meek and gentle? Well, yes. Jesus said, he who has seen me has seen the Father. The character of Jesus is the character of God the Father. And Psalm 103 says about God the Father... He does not deal with us according to our sins. Or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth. So great is his steadfast love. Toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west. So far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father. Has compassion. On his children. So the Lord. Shows compassion. To those who fear him, for the low for he knows our frame, he remembers we are dust, our God is a compassionate God, a kind God, a good God, a loving heavenly Father. Sometimes people think of. Of Jesus as the loving one and the God as the Father as the stern, forbidding one. No. It's because the Father loved us that he gave his son. The Father loves his children. Your heavenly Father loves you and bears with you with all of your if you're a Christian, with all of your failings and faults and and, and it is is gentle and kind towards you. Think of what Isaiah says in chapter forty, Isaiah chapter short short forty, verse ten, about again about our God, our heavenly father. Behold the Lord comes with it with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather his, the lambs in his arms. He will, gen, he will carry them in his bosom. And gently lead those that are with young. This is our God. Meek, kind. Humble. How can you say about God? He's humble. It's, you think surely God doesn't need to be humble. <laughs> he's got no reason to be humble. Of course not. But this is our God. This is our Jesus. This is it's because of his humility that he left the glory of heaven. That's not isn't that what Paul teaches in Philippians two. He was in the form of God. He did not consider equality with God. Something to be grasped. But he emptied himself. And he took the form of a servant. Took on human flesh. Lived in obscurity. in, in, in In a poor little village. Did humble work. Was despised and rejected. As he went about his ministry. This is the. God whom we worship. And what Jesus said is that the person who is a true believer is defined by being himself meek. This is the whole point of what we call the Beatitudes. You know those Beatitudes that people call the Beatitudes, the blessed sayings. Matthew chapter 5 on the Sermon on the Mount. In those Beatitudes, Jesus is defining blessed people. And blessed people are those who are born again. And they have these characteristics of of the work of these, these these identifying markers of the work of the Spirit in their hearts. First one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. See, when God works in your life, you know that you need God. You know that you can't save yourself. You know that, 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 that you are a beggar before God. You've you got you nothing. You know you're poor in spirit, so you cry out to God, oh God, save me. Well, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they should be comforted. If you have the Holy Spirit, you'll mourn for your sins. You'll say, oh, what a wretched person I am. Why do I keep on sinning? I'm so unworthy of God. And what's the next one? Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth now when Jesus mentions these qualities he's not saying oh if you make yourself good you will go to heaven that's the way you can easily misunderstand it Oh, if you make yourself poor in spirit if you make yourself a mourner if you make yourself a meek person and you try very hard to be meek then you'll become fit for heaven no what he's saying is this When the Holy Spirit has worked in a person's life, he becomes these things. He becomes poor in spirit. He becomes one who mourns. He becomes one who is meek. He becomes one who hungers and thirsts for righteousness. These are the identifiers of a true Christian. So meekness is an identifier of somebody who's born again. Somebody who's been saved. Why is somebody who's born again meek? Well, the answer is because... Two reasons. First of all, because... He knows his God is meek. And he wants to be like his God. But secondly... The person who's born again... Has to be meek. Because he knows he's a sinner. See if you know that you have committed terrible sins against God. And terrible sins against other people. How can you get on your high horse and say oh how dare you do this terrible thing. How can you offend against me. Well how can we do that. Because we know we're sinners if we're we're born again. And so when God the Holy Spirit works in a person's life, he or she will have this meekness, this, this non aggression. And God having planted this this meekness in the heart of a believer he tells us also that we are to exercise that meekness. It should be part of our lives as part of our daily lives as as Christians. Uh, Paul says in Colossians and uh, chapter 3 and verse 12 uh, speaking about the implications of living of, of the gospel in a person's life. It says Colossians 3 and verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones holy and beloved compassionate hearts kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body. There is to be this meekness between, in, in the way that we relate with each other and the way in which we relate in our world. Well, what should be the effect of this, where Paul, this this thing where Paul speaks of himself as as uh, speaking and acting with the meekness and gentleness of Christ? How should how should this affect us? What what, what effect should these things have upon us? Well, the first thing surely it, it must lead to self-examination. The first thing every one of us in this room must ask ourselves, and including myself, we must all ask ourselves, am I born again? Do I see the meekness of Christ in my life? How do I respond when when people are rude to me, or when people insult me, or when I'm when I am frustrated, or when when things are not right when, 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 when um, things don't go my way is there that anger and that frustration and that annoyance and that cruelty and unkindness and impatience towards other people maybe I'm not born again we need to ask ourselves don't we, we need to challenge ourselves am I really a Christian do I really show Christ like meekness you know, you can be very sound doctrinally. You can be very active as a Christian, doing all sorts of evangelism, busy at church, coming morning and evening to church and midweek and doing all the other things you should do. And you should do those things. And you've know, you heard me say these: you should do these things as a Christian and yet not have any meekness about you. But if there's no meekness, you're not a Christian. It's the teaching of Scripture, isn't it? So where is that meekness? Where is that humility? Where is that brokenness of spirit? That's, that's fundamental. What should you do if you think, well, I wonder if I am born again? Well, in one sense you can't do anything because being born again is a miracle of God. But there, is, there are two things you can and should do which is to repent and to believe. You can't do that miracle, but you can repent and believe, with God's help. So, go to God. Go to say to God, Lord, I, I I've, I've not been meek and humble as I should be. I, I wonder if I'm a Christian at all. Confess your sin, to him. repent, and ask Him to save you. Another thing that this, what we've thought about so far, should, should um, lead us to do is to worship our Lord. What a wonderful God we have. We should be worshipping Jesus for his meekness, for his gentleness. And we should be worshipping God for this characteristic that he shows Another thing that this should lead us to do is to come to Christ. You see, Jesus is meek. He's ready to receive. You know, sometimes you have, there are certain people that one feels a little bit anxious about doing going too close to because you think, if I say something wrong, he's going to jump down my throat. And so you, you keep your distance, you, you don't, you, you, you're a bit wary. You don't need to be wary with Jesus. He's meek. He's gentle. He's ready to receive you. Come to him. Have you sinned? Come to him. Are you worried? Come to him. Are you struggling with a temptation? Come to him. Tell him about it. He's not going to shy you. He's not going to throw you away. He He wants you to come. And he'll be gentle with you. Be like that—that that kindly doctor, you know. The, perhaps you know, the, the, maybe who, who's got that wonderful, gentle spirit, and you know that you can tell him or her. Whatever it is, you you're, you're you you got wrong. because there's that gentleness, that kindness. Jesus is like that. He will welcome you. He'll receive you. Whatever you've done, so come to him come regularly. And then surely this, this, uh, this, this, what Paul says about this meekness and gentleness of Christ, surely this should lead us also to do all we can to cultivate our own meekness and gentleness. Remember the Lord and his meekness. Remember the, the way that he dealt with suffering. Remember his patience, his kindness with you. Remember your sin. Remember that you fail just like other people fail. And this will help to cultivate this, this, this meekness, this gentleness. And keep short accounts with the Lord. You start to find yourself getting frustrated, start to find yourself getting annoyed, go to the Lord quickly. Confess your sin and receive his knowledge, his love again. Well, so Paul talks then about his meekness, him working or, or speaking according to the meekness and gentleness of Christ. The other thing, not to speak at such length, but just the other thing to think about this morning, is that he was very reluctant to co- to confront, but if he had to, he did. So we see this um, let's read verse one and two again and then go on to verse six. I Paul myself entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. I who am humble when face to face with you but bold toward you when I am away. I beg of you that when I am present I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of not walking of walking according to the flesh. And then going to verse 6. Being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. What we see here is that Paul is both very reluctant to confront. But also willing to confront when he has to. He's very reluctant to confront. He... He says, I I don't want to have to show boldness in dealing with you. He says, I'm begging of you. Look, please, will you distance yourself from these false teachers so I don't have to deal with you harshly. I could do, but I don't want to have to do so. So please, will you heed what I'm saying? It's great reluctance but also he does say that he does count on showing boldness against some who suspect him of walking according to the flesh, 2nd half verse 2. And he does say that he is ready to punish every disobedience. Now we don't know quite what he's talking about here. It could be that it would be verbal rebuke that, that he's, he's anticipating he's going to have to exercise against some of these false teachers it could perhaps be something more severe uh, we know that as an apostle he had the power to command terrible things to happen to people um, Peter spoke to he commanded essentially the death of, of Ananias and Sapphira they were struck down dead when he rebuked them. Uh, there's an account of how Elamas was, was, was struck with blindness by the Apostle Paul on one occasion. This, this man who was opposing him. He had the power as an Apostle. He could say, right, right. And, and, and something terrible could happen and maybe that's what he's talking about. We don't know. doesn't spell it out. But He was extremely reluctant to use the authority that he had. But at the same time he was ready to do so if the occasion necessitated it. Now we are not apostles. We do I believe share in the gospel power that he talks about in verses 3 to 5, which we'll come back to, God willing, next week. But we are not apostles. We can't command sickness to come up, or command blindness to come, or command people to drop down. Thank God we don't have that power. (laughs) Oh dear, just imagine what would happen if, if people did have that power today. But thankfully, we don't have that power. But we do have all of us have, in different spheres, have authority. Many of us are parents. And sometimes as parents, we've had to say to our children "No. And if you do that, I'll punish you." And we've had to carry through a punishment. Some of us are employers. And we have to say to employees, no, you must, there are certain things I must require of you. And if you don't, disciplinary procedures will be put in place. And as church members also, sometimes it is necessary for us, those of us who are church members, to join together, sadly, if somebody continues in sin and does not repent... Sometimes it is necessary for a church to issue a rebuke to that person and sometimes that person if they will if he will not hear the rebuke he needs to be disciplined by the church and put out of membership of the church and treated like a a a a, a, a pagan or a tax collector Jesus says and what we see from what we learn from the apostle paul here is that there should be reluctance, on the one hand, but also a willingness to do what has to be done when necessary. Now I think that we can see that different ones of us are affected by personality, and we need to be aware of the sort of personality we are. Some of us are sort of gung-ho-type personalities who will rise to a challenge and you know if there's a if there's an issue we'll say right come on bring it on and those ones need to be really careful watch out you don't have that sort of belligerent attitude which picks a fight when a fight doesn't need to be picked but others of us perhaps have got a a, a sort of a, a, a temperament which Hates to confront. And you can see something going on in your family. You can see something going on in your workplace or in the church. And you don't do anything about it because you think, I don't really want to get involved. I don't like to do anything. I don't like to say anything. But actually, you've got a duty to do so. So we need to have that wisdom from God to know what our temperament is and to, to compensate for that. Not to be too quick to confront but at the same time not to shy away when uh, we, we, we uh, are perhaps feeling we don't want to do something. So may God help us if we have if our attitude is right, if we have the meekness and gentleness of Christ and if we are being shaped by the Word of God and hopefully we will not err in this matter and we will not be too quick to confront at the same time not be too slow but we will do what God wants us to do. Um, well, may God give us grace to hear uh, th- this word today and to learn from the example of the Apostle Paul, to learn of his meekness and to learn of his willingness, his, 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 his uh, reluctance to confront combined with his willingness to do so when necessary may God give us the wisdom to apply his word in our lives well perhaps we